Hello, my love. I actually wanted to jump in and offer just a quick disclaimer to go along with this particular episode because I just re-listened to it and felt that there were a few distinguishments that it was really important to make. So first of all, I want to clarify that I strongly and passionately believe that we are deserving of everything that we want simply by existing. And in the podcast episode that is to follow, we talk a lot about some of the different tools and activities that we can engage in to help us create the conditions in our love lives going forward that we really desire, especially if we have been unsuccessful in doing so in the past. Um, And I just want to clarify that I don't want this to be mistaken to mean that I'm in any way implying that unless we engage in this work, unless we journal, unless we tap, unless we go to therapy, unless we take classes or read books, then we aren't inherently worthy of the kind of love that we want. I think that this is a problematic belief that is out there that inherently somehow we're all broken and damaged and unless we fix ourselves, we're never going to ever be happy in love. And I very, very, very vehemently disagree with that sentiment and in no way want any of this podcast content to be confused as being in alignment with those beliefs. Um, So please keep that in mind. And we know for a fact that this is not the case as many people who are very young and have never engaged in any of this quote unquote work um, find very meaningful and joyful connection that lasts a long time and is extremely satisfying. So we know for a fact that that's not true. So please As I said, just listen to this episode through the lens of understanding that you're already worthy of exactly the kind of love that you want. And some of the tools that we discuss within really can just help speed up that process and most importantly, help us feel more empowered in doing so and in pursuing those conditions. Now, the other clarification that I wanted to make is that I am not a therapist, and also this is a podcast, so please do not misunderstand the astrological interpretation that is to follow as any sort of mental or emotional health or wellness counseling, because it's not, and I'm not qualified to offer that. And even if I was, of course, a podcast episode is never an appropriate substitution or replacement for individualized therapy. And I wish I had been more sensitive in this episode to the understanding that going back in time to our families of origin and our past relationships, which is something that we talk a lot about in the podcast to follow with Venus Retrograde, um, is not an activity that is safe or appropriate for everyone to engage in during this time, and especially considering that we are in a very challenging and emotionally straining time right now. Um, we are grieving a lot of different things and we're feeling a lot of emotions. So if, um, you know that for your unique path, doing this type of intensive emotional work and reflection is going to be more harmful or painful or triggering than anything positive, then by all means, please don't do it. Still go ahead and listen to this episode because I think there's a lot of other things mentioned within that you will probably enjoy and relate to. But as always, filter the content of this episode through the empowered awareness of what your specific needs are in this moment and during this time. And I would never in any way want to infringe on that. So Please enjoy this podcast episode, and I hope that you have a safe and healthy and fabulous Venus retrograde, no matter how you decide to spend it.
Hello and welcome to the Smart Witch Podcast. Today we are going to talk about Venus retrograde because Venus is actually turning retrograde on Wednesday, May 13th, all the way up until June 25th. So that's about a month and a half of us being fully immersed in this energy. And I just want to give you a quick heads up that I am recording this podcast episode in my living room. Normally I record in my office, but I honestly have a really nice nice cross breeze going and I'm not really wanting to part with that situation right now. So I am hoping that the traffic isn't too loud or distracting. And if a really loud like motorcycle or something does go by, which has been happening, I will probably just stop talking and wait for the vehicle to pass and then I'll continue talking. So if that happens, just bear with me. Um, But anyway, so I'm really excited to talk about Venus retrograde because if you're familiar at all with old school astrology interpretations and teachers, then I'm sure that you're probably familiar with Venus retrograde because there is quite a lot of hype and even some fear surrounding this important astrological transit. So we're going to unpack all of that in this episode through more of an empowered, dignified, and modern perspective. And we're also going to talk about how I actually think that we can use this time to manifest not only the love lives that we want, but just to feel our best and manifest all of the conditions that we desire and deserve. So first and foremost, I know most of you probably already know this, so I'll make this quick, but if you're not familiar with what a planetary retrograde is, um, basically they're all different, so we can't we have to consider retrograde periods on a case-by-case basis, really, because all the planets do take on a different sort of attitude when they're going retrograde. For some planets, it kind of disorients them and debilitates their energy and influence, and other planets actually thrive retrograde, and it can actually almost amplify their effects and their ability to impact us. So it really is kind of um, individual in terms of the astrological significance, but Basically, in astrology, we say that during a retrograde, we are given the unique opportunity to unpack karma within the realm of the themes of the retrograde planet. So when Venus turns retrograde, we can kind of condense it by saying that this brings a powerful opportunity for us to unpack some of our challenging love karma and rewrite some of our old limiting beliefs and stories that are plaguing our love lives presently and that have historically. Now, um, physically, what a, what a retrograde actually is, it's actually an optical illusion where from our perspective here on Earth, it appears that a planet is pausing and moving backwards for a period of time before then pausing again and eventually resuming forward motion. Now, every planet goes retrograde um, at different frequencies and for different lengths of time. Venus goes retrograde every 18 months or so, and her retrograde periods normally last for about um, a month and a half to two months. This particular retrograde, as we said, is going to be about a month and a half. And so it's not actually an astronomical event where the planet is changing its motion. It's purely an illusion, very similar to the one that occurs when you're driving a car and the car next to you is moving a little bit slower. And it looks from your perspective as though that car is actually moving backwards. It's a very similar kind of effect. So nothing is actually changing in the planet's movement. It's purely just an optical illusion 
Um, but nonetheless, as I said, retrogrades are considered to be very astrologically significant. And I'm sure that you probably heard that term before, even if you're not fully um, immersed in the world of astrology, just because they do gain so much notoriety, particularly, I would say, Mercury retrograde. But Venus retrograde, too, I think is pretty well known and not necessarily in the best way. So let's get into some of that. So first of all, basically, the there's a lot of warnings and forebodings that come with Venus retrograde. So basically, we're told during this time that it's really um, not a good idea to change anything about our current romantic situation. So if you're in a relationship, you are strongly advised by traditional astrology to refrain from breaking up with a partner, even if you're faced with a lot of conflict during this time. And there's even a suggestion, if not the outright assertion, that doing so is something that you'll probably regret later, or somehow it might come out to bite you. And then the second major warning of Venus retrograde is that this is not a good time to, if you're single, to form a new relationship, to fall in love or pursue a new dynamic. And I'm actually a very naughty astrologer because I've done both of these things. So I can speak not only from a professional astrologer perspective, but also just from firsthand experience. And I'm also a practicing witch too. So obviously that colors all of my astrological interpretations. So we're going to unpack this. But first, I actually want to talk about another kind of almost silly um, warning that comes along with Venus retrograde that I actually do just kind of go along with because especially during this time. So basically, during Venus retrograde, we are advised against making any significant changes to our physical appearance or even to our living space. So basically, you're not really recommended to buy really expensive artwork during this time or to repaint your entire apartment a different color. And I'm not necessarily talking about small, subtle changes like moving furniture around. Obviously, that's something that we can easily just undo or redo. But anything that's kind of difficult to reverse, should you not like it, we're kind of told to refrain from. And then, as I said, the same thing goes with our physical appearance. And we're really advised not to make any major alterations to our aesthetics during this time. And again, I'm not necessarily talking about touching up your roots or trimming your ends. I'm really mostly talking about if you want to like dye your hair a crazy color or get bangs. I think we all know, God has helped us, what it feels like to dye or bleach our hair and wish we hadn't. And what's interesting is that during this time, we obviously can't pretend that this Venus retrograde is just like any other because we are in the middle of a pandemic, which is a totally unprecedented time. And businesses are closed, so we can't rush off to our cosmetologist or our hairdresser should we completely botch a product project that we attempt. So I think that it's especially important now to maybe just refrain from taking those kinds of projects on at home. Um, just kind of a word to the wise. Obviously, you have empowered choice around that, but I think it's worth passing on. Now, moving into, though, the love stories that we hear about Venus retrograde that I was just mentioning... So the first one we'll start with is us being told that we really shouldn't break up with someone during this time. So first of all, I can completely prove from personal experience that that really isn't valid. 
because I actually had the best breakup of my entire romantic life during a Venus retrograde period. And it was actually kind of amazing because something happened that had never happened to me in a relationship before, which was that I literally experienced a moment of sudden clarity and understanding that me and the man that I was with at the time who um, was a Capricorn man. And actually we had been together for quite a while. It was about two years and we were living together. And I literally just had the realization that we were not a match and that not only were we not a match, but that I could not remember the last time that I had been happy in the relationship. And I also realized that the whole relationship itself had kind of been founded on an illusion or an expectation that this person was going to eventually turn into what I wanted him to be instead of what he had clearly demonstrated from the beginning that he was. And so it's kind of funny because I've never had that kind of a moment in a relationship where literally um, in an instant, I had this kind of a powerful epiphany and realization that completely stripped me of any romantic attachment or um, attraction to this person. And so I completely knew that this needed to end. And I think that Venus retrograde, contrary to some of the more common interpretations and warnings, can be a really powerful time to take stock of our romantic relationships. And hopefully we're doing that more than every 18 months during Venus retrograde. But I do think that we can especially be susceptible now to these moments of extreme clarity. And I actually think that this is therefore a really good time to break something off because um, I feel like, especially if something has been, as in my situation, long unsatisfying. It's something that hasn't been making you happy for a very long time, whether it's casual or serious. I feel like Venus retrograde is a really good time to address that problem, get clear on that problem, and then spend the rest of the retrograde sort of healing and clearing that out and also preparing to then emerge when Venus stations direct, ready to pursue the romantic conditions and situations that you do actually want after getting clear, of course, on what those are, which we can spend the retrograde doing. Now, this is also a good time if you're just realizing that you haven't really been happy in a relationship for a while. And again, I really mean this to include casual situations and more serious ones like the one I was in where we were actually cohabitating and had been together for several years. I feel like this is a really good time to open dialogue around any long-term unhappiness that you're noticing is there. Um, and even just saying, you know, with your partner, like, is this something that we can fix? Is this something that we can compromise and talk about and negotiate? Or really, is it time to just sort of peacefully part? And I do feel like Venus retrograde really is the time of the peaceful parting. I feel like so many people do tend to go their separate ways during this time, but rarely is it some big dramatic thing. I feel like it usually is just from a moment of clarity from one or both parties that the time has simply come for the relationship to end. And I know for my particular case, I literally knew that the relationship was over. And so it wasn't a situation where we were, I was checking in to see if this was something that was repairable because I knew, as I said, that it, it really wasn't. That wasn't the nature of the conversation at all. It was truly just a breakup conversation. But even if you're just like on the fence and you really don't think that a breakup is necessarily the answer, but there are genuine problems, this is a good time to not only reflect on your relationship independently, but to open dialogue with your partner and do a review of the relationship together and a check-in to see where you're both at and how you're both feeling. And I actually want to revisit, though, my personal story. So I did end the relationship. I knew it was Venus retrograde, but I still chose to proceed 
um, with the breakup because I felt so strongly in this realization. And honestly, I was so sure that this needed to happen that to keep that information to myself felt deceptive especially to someone that I was living with. So as soon as I had the realization, pretty much I came home and I went to my Capricorn man and I basically told him that I no longer wanted to be in a relationship with him, which of course was a difficult conversation to have. But I really have to say that for the most part, the breakup went swimmingly. Of course, there were a lot of things to sort out because he lived here and that takes time to you know, for him to find a place. It was kind of a while, which was unfortunate. But for the most part, the breakup was really pretty seamless. I feel like we remained amicable pretty much the entire time. It was essentially mutual. And honestly, I personally had minimal pain. That period of regret that astrologers will sometimes warn about with a Venus retrograde breakup never came. In fact, I often look back on that relationship and am surprised that I ever really chose this person or dynamic and that I stayed in it for as long as I did. And I don't say that in a mean way at all because this was actually a really nice man, but it was just that we were so blatantly incompatible that it's almost comical looking back from, from where I am now and thinking about the fact that this was a relationship that I stayed in for so long. And as I said, the relationship breakup was um, amicable the process went smoothly. There was minimal pain. At worst, I would say the breakup was just kind of an inconvenience in both of our lives. And honestly, if that's the worst thing that you have to say about a breakup process, I would say that's a pretty damn good breakup. And honestly, we are both thriving now. He like moved across the country. He's going to school, which is something that he's always wanted. I'm absolutely flourishing in my life. So obviously this was not a mistake and never did it come out to bite me or him. It was truly an aligned decision for both of us. And as I said, I feel like Venus retrograde can be really powerful in bringing that clarity around our relationships. And then it serves as a really good time to open dialogue with your partner. Again, whether the nature of that conversation is truly a breakup conversation as mine was, or whether you just are wanting to express your feelings clarify where you're at and check in and take the temperature of your partner's emotional um, experience and where they stand with you. And then you can spend the retrograde, as I said, kind of um, honing new skills, working on tools and just feeling it out and figuring out how you eventually want to proceed, which you can decide on or around June 25th. And now if you are in a situation where maybe you've been unhappy in a relationship for a while, but you're really on the fence because maybe this person has a lot of really great qualities or there are some complexities in the relationship that really make this a significant decision that you need to weigh heavily, then I would say absolutely sit on it. And I'm not saying by sharing my story that you know, everyone should break up during Venus retrograde. Obviously, that's not what I'm saying. I think you know that. But I do just want to clarify that I don't necessarily think it's ever bad advice to tell someone to um, sit on a really important decision, especially if it's one that they may later regret. So if you are in any way on the fence, then certainly maybe keep that shit to yourself. Think about it, sit on it for a little while. And I feel really confident that if that's your situation on or around June 25th, you are going to know what to do. If not before then, um, you're going to receive clarity around whether or not you should move forward in the relationship or open dialogue with the person, maybe go to couples counseling, or if it's really just time to move on, I think you're going to gain that insight on or around or before June 25th. So I can give you that date and hopefully that alone gives you some peace of mind, but it really is obviously up to you, up to the relationship, how you want to proceed. Like obviously if this person is really intolerable, 
or as in my situation, I just simply knew. Like, there was no, I was not on the fence. Really breaking up seemed and felt like the really aligned decision. But if you're on the fence, whether it's time to have a conversation or really just sit, think about it, again, depends so specifically on the delicate dynamic of your unique relationship. So further advice there really can't responsibly be given through the lens of, of astrology, um, or at least electional astrology. But those are all things, I think, to think about. So now let's talk, though, if you're single, um, because I know that we're in a very interesting time because we're not seeing anyone. So if you're a single person, then you're probably already not really dating or out there sexually or romantically. And if you are, then it's through the dating apps or social media, or maybe you're even social distance dating through like FaceTime. I know some people are doing that. Um, And that's totally cool. But I do want to talk about dating in Venus retrograde because we really do have to. So I have experience with this firsthand and here's what I found. So I formed a relationship and I actually wasn't looking for one, but I did just sort of end up kind of attracting this person, falling in love with them. And we went on to have a really long relationship that was unfortunately really painful. This person was um, extremely disrespectful Um, extremely high maintenance. It was just not a fun relationship at all. And then the relationship came to an end and the birthday of this relationship was during Venus retrograde, which I think is really interesting. But that being said, it's not really as simple as, oh, just don't date during Venus retrograde because doing so is just inherently ill-fated or it's not going to work out. That's a very disempowered way to look at it, and I'm going to add, not outright disagreeing with that, I'm just going to add to it and explain it a little bit, provide more context and empowerment. So here's the thing. If you date someone, if you choose to date during Venus Retrograde and you meet someone and you form a relationship, or maybe it's not some big, long relationship, maybe you just meet someone and date you know, for a little bit of time, you're going to attract someone during Venus Retrograde that is going to show you where your unattended love wounding is. I mean, that's just kind of an astrological fact. And rarely am I that presumptuous, but as I said, I have firsthand experience with this. I've seen many other people with similar situations, and this is just what Venus retrograde does. And so you're going to be attracted to someone or call someone in who is going to show you, as I said, I'm just going to repeat it verbatim because I think it's important, where your love wounding is through the relationship by kind of exposing that to you in a way that you really can't, you have to face it. You can't avoid it. And now in my particular situation, this was a long time ago, by the way, this was quite a few years ago. In my situation, when I attracted this really, um, I almost want to say, uh, abusive, but I'll just say very disrespectful, uh, a man into my life and into my, specifically my romantic life, as much as the relationship was largely unsatisfying and painful, it really did teach me a lot. And most importantly, it really showed me where my love wounding is in a way that other relationships had tried to, but it was not so prominent that I was kind of able to just look past it or make it work anyway. And with this particular person, they were so intolerable that I really couldn't look past it. I really had to get real about the fact that I had some serious emotional baggage to comb through. And that was such a powerful gift. And here's what I want to add. 
my situation, as I've said, was extremely painful and unpleasant. But if you are the kind of person who has already done a lot of your work around this, where you've already gone to talk therapy, or you've just taken it upon yourself to already have done a lot of research and a lot of reflection and a lot of healing in this area, then it's not necessarily going to be a painful relationship or some grueling process of learning or I know we say learning a lot in spiritual communities, but sometimes words like learning and evolution can sound like code for suffering. And that's what I'm trying to say is that in my situation a couple years ago, because I had really not done any of that work. In fact, I had spent my young life, especially my young dating life, avoiding that work and really chasing um, illusions and my projections on what I thought people were, what I wanted them to become, and was pretty much constantly disappointed. And so... When I entered into this relationship, which, as I said, was so painful and so, so unsatisfying with the exception, obviously, of some good things and some good moments, it really did force me into a period of time of doing that work. But as I was just saying, because I had really done none of it up until then, I think that's why the process was just so difficult. And it was so challenging because this person was just literally exposing, inadvertently, obviously, um, all of my love wounding that had gone unaddressed for, what, maybe 22, 23 years. And so that was extremely powerful. And so it's not necessarily an experience that I regret. But furthermore, I just want to say that if you know that you are the kind of person who has done a lot of this work already, then this isn't necessarily a bad thing if you attract someone or are attracted to someone who is going to walk you through and expose for you some love wounds that maybe you haven't completely cleared up yet that you thought you have. Sometimes this can be a very gentle process. It doesn't have to be grueling and painful and suffering, and often it's not. As I said, with my particular situation from a long time ago, I had not done any of my work around this, and so I was blindsided, and it was really painful. But if you know that that's not you, and I know that it's not a lot of you that are listening, then dating during Venus retrograde is not necessarily something to avoid altogether. Just understand that the relationships that you're going to end up attracting and the people that you're going to be drawn to are going to be karmic partners for you in this lifetime. They're going to be people who have a mission and that are going to show you really interesting areas of your heart that you didn't maybe even know were there. And again, that can actually end up being a beautiful process. And sometimes they can do that in a way that's really gentle. And sometimes they can actually do that in a way that feels really good by being the opposite and actually helping you. I mean, obviously, even in the cases where it's painful, they're still helping you heal the wound, but they can help you heal the wound in a way that even feels good. So again, this is not fear-mongering like some of what you might have heard about Venus retrograde. I'm actually saying that it's not necessarily a bad thing or something to avoid, especially if you know that you've done your work and you're kind of ready to see what else maybe, maybe you've missed. And there's no reason to expect that, as I said, especially if you've done your work, that this is going to be a process that is inherently ridden with suffering or just outright terrible or painful or completely unpleasant. And the other thing that I want to add is even that old school definition that a relationship is ill-fated or not going to work, quote unquote, 
It's so important to note that this is 2020 and not everybody considers it a romantic success to get married. That's not everyone's goal. That's not something that everyone wants, or I say get married, but it's not even everyone's goal to be with one person for the rest of their lives. Honestly, I consider it a romantic success if there was love and if good times were had and if there was laughter and if there was really good sex. And a lot of people consider their love life at the end of it all to have been successful if they had a lot of extraordinary love stories and different lovers. So really, so the relationship may not last forever if it begins under Venus retrograde, just like any other time, but that doesn't make it a problem. That doesn't mean it was a failure that it didn't work out especially if it's a relationship that helps you uncover some love wounding, then I would say whether joyful or not, it's especially worth your time because that work is so valuable. And sometimes we need that push and that help. So I do just want to tell you that, that it's not, you might think that you're like kind of calling in something fun, light, maybe some, some hot sex or whatever, not that we're seeing people right now, hopefully, but you know what I'm saying. You might think that you're kind of calling in something casual, but Venus retrograde doesn't do casual. That's the thing. So if you know that you really don't want that, if you're like, this sounds terrible, thanks, but no thanks, I will work on my love baggage like at a safe distance and by myself, thank you very much, then I'm really telling you I don't think that you should be a sexual or romantic presence on the apps right now. I don't think you should be putting yourself out. I think you should just kind of be to yourself because if you are out there and if you are dating, as I said, it's it's basically an astrological fact. You're going to attract someone who is going to really help you up level and really show you, as I said, new areas of your heart, especially around old lovers that you maybe thought you've cleared up the the pain and you've completely moved on, but maybe you haven't. Or even like family of origin stuff could come up. And so again, that's really powerful and beautiful healing, but sometimes it can come up in a way that's kind of painful, which I think is where the more old school fear-based interpretation of this transit retrograde um, comes from is that sometimes it can, on the surface, look like what we might consider to be a relationship failure or a relationship disappointment, because it can be very painful. I just, I mean, we can't avoid that, right? Of course, it doesn't feel great to have like salt sprinkled into a wound. And that's basically what can happen during Venus retrograde to make it, as I said, unignorable. If we've been persistent in avoiding and dodging this work, which as I said, I had been when I called in this particularly um, disrespectful and emotionally unavailable person. So that's something to think about for sure. Is that something you want right now? Is that something you're interested in right now? How much of this work have you done? where this might totally rock your world in a really painful way if you know that you really haven't even looked into that. So that's what I would say and and invite you to consider in terms of if you're single and you're like, well, I've kind of been dating and I've actually kind of been enjoying it. It's been helping me, you know, escape some of the seriousness of this time. Well, I really do pose those questions to you. And I think that you should think them over before you continue to pursue a new relationship during this time. And now really, I want to flip that and add that this is a really powerful time to just be to your, take some time to yourself. And now whether you're in a relationship or single, this is an amazing time to dive deeply into your love wounds and into your old stories and beliefs around love. This is an incredible time to do that work. And we're going to talk a little bit about that 
in just a second. But first, I just want to kind of wrap it up by saying that I feel like that can be done when you're dating, whether in a relationship or like literally dating multiple people, talking to a couple different people. I mean, that work can be done and no matter what your relationship status is. But I do think that it's especially powerful when we are single. And I say that from personal experience because I've been on a little bit of a love sabbatical since October of 2019, and it's been extremely helpful. Not only have I thrived and flourished in ways that I know I couldn't possibly if I was in a relationship, but I just learned so much about why I was making some of the weird romantic choices I was making in my past. And most importantly, why I just knew I wasn't getting what I wanted and why I wasn't manifesting the outcomes that I desired in those relationships. So I really do recommend that. So if you are single and, you know, you're not sure if you should kind of take that warning that you read, you know, in an old school astrology textbook, um, I do just want to invite you to consider that this is a a powerful time to just take some time to yourself and do that learning so that you don't necessarily have to go through a process that is in any way painful or involves someone else. And I'm the type of person that I would just assume skip all that and like read a book or take a class and learn that way and not learn through, you know, pain and like being unsatisfied in a relationship that feels bad. So that's, again, just a question I would pose to you is where you stand on that. But now let's talk about what I mean by that, because it really is so so powerful. So first of all, it's important to consider your family of origin during Venus retrograde, because this is where our love wounding always originates. And what eventually happens is as we grow into adults, we essentially recreate the conditions that remind us of our childhood situations, specifically around our wounding, because we're looking for a different outcome. We're looking to engage in that same dynamic so that we can repair it in a sense. And we think subconsciously that this will then repair the wound. So we all have this love wounding, by the way. It's not just people who are coming from extremely grueling or abusive childhood situations, very often we experience this love wounding from parents who are quite well-meaning and are doing their best. And so that's important to acknowledge and name that we're really not like blaming our parents for anything. We're not saying, you know, that they should have or could have done things differently. It's just about getting really curious, truly, about where some of our love wounding lies. And this is especially important If you are the type of person who, as you think back on your love life up until now, if you realize that all of the partners that you've chosen, or at least most of them, and the relationships that you've been in, are, were very painful and are actually unpleasant still to think about. And if you look at your exes and it's not an all-star lineup, it's important to realize that you are the common factor there. You are the thing that binds all of those people together. And I do hear a lot of this language. I often hear people saying things like, oh, my exes are so crazy as like a joke. And I mean, honestly, that's kind of disrespectful anyway, but it completely removes your own accountability because, motorcycle, um, because 
you, as I just said, are the common denominator there. And so you're choosing these people, you're choosing these dynamics. And honestly, all relationships are a dance. It takes two to create a dynamic. And so if we look back on all of our past relationships and they were painful or unsatisfying or not even close to what we know we want going forward, then that's a really big sign that our energetic side of the street could really use some cleaning up and that we have actually been contributing in some way to those toxic dynamics that, again, we we don't want again. So that's why it's important to get clear on this information because it's the thing that's going to help us write new stories and ultimately create new outcomes in our love lives. So this all really does begin with the family of origin. And I know that that's a really long ways to go back, but that really is the best place to start is all the way back to your family of origin. And then it's really helpful to then think about your past relationships, which again, I know for some people might be cringeworthy or quite painful, but it's very helpful to think about how all of those dynamics compare to what you want now. Are they like really far off or, I mean, were they pretty solid? Were they pretty pretty close to what you know you want next time? Slowly getting better every time because that's what we want. And I'm just going to share so that you have an understanding based in personal experience. So I love my father very much and we have a very good relationship. And I'm really lucky to have this Leo man as one of my parents in this incarnation. But growing up, a lot of my memories of my dad were... Him being very moody, very distant, cold, often unapproving. Um, He could be very angry, which sometimes was a little bit frightening. And I always just thought of him and felt him as um, emotionally and sometimes physically unavailable. And what's interesting is that this has always been a dynamic that has been played out historically in my romantic dynamics. I have chosen men who were very hot and cold, men who made me feel a lot of the same ways that my father made me feel growing up. And what's painful for us as children is that we don't know how to make sense of this. And we feel abandoned and we even take some of our parents' behaviors that are inadvertently wounding us as a direct testament to our worthiness or our lovability, which of course we know as adults that it's not. And so as adults, it's of course not our fault. Any of this is not our fault, but it is our responsibility as adults to get clear about this baggage and this wounding and clean it up so that we are picking people and entering into relationships, not from a place of trauma or woundology, but purely from a place of wanting to enrich our lives and make our already fabulous experience on this earth that much better and well-rounded by another presence that just challenges us in exciting new ways and allows us to grow and expand even more than we would have. And also relationships are just fun. Let's be real. Like they're fun. They're tons of fun. So that's why it's worth it to do this work because if we don't, then we are going to continue to manifest those connections that are founded pretty deeply in pain and trauma. And that's just really going to keep coming up and we're going to keep creating those same dynamics and those same conditions and picking similar people. So I really do invite you to go all the way back to your family of origin, journal, meditate on it, think about it, and really think about how some of those dynamics have actually played out, if they have, in your romantic relationships. 
And that's all something to think about. And what's really nice is there's a lot of tools such as meditating, such as tapping, and even such as hypnosis that help you actually rewrite your stories. And even just affirmations too can be helpful with helping you to write new stories and acquire new beliefs around where you stand in romantic dynamics and what you want. And so that's really, really powerful work. And there's also a lot of other resources that can support you through this work. As I said, there's a lot of classes. I just took one that um, I spent basically the last three months on under psychotherapist and relationship expert Terry Cole. And she actually has a lot of free videos through her website and I think on YouTube. And they're definitely worth checking out. And I just actually signed up for another class too, which is really, really exciting. And that just started this month. It's going to last actually the entire year. So I'm really excited to dive into that content during Venus Retrograde. And there's a lot of books too on the energetics of relationship and relationship theory and healing our love wounds. So honestly, like send me an email and I would love to hook you up with a book recommendation because there's so many and they can be extremely helpful. There's lots of resources to support you during, during this work. And honestly, as I said, I feel like during Venus retrograde, we're invited to do our love work anyway. And we're either invited to do that work by ourselves or we're invited to do it in the form of a relationship with someone who's going to force us. I say force, but as I said, that can not be, you know, totally unpleasant. Sometimes it can be quite gentle or even, you know, pleasurable. But nonetheless, I am a person that at this point, I'm like, no thanks, I'll do that shit by myself. So I really do recommend getting the literature. Like I know that might sound um, really academic, but I'm telling you, I've been diving into this since October of 2019, and I feel the most radiant that I ever have in my entire life. So there's really something to be said for that, I think. But anyway, so because this particular Venus retrograde is happening in the sign of Gemini, Gemini is really important because it's one of the most relational signs of the Zodiac as the twins. And basically, so Gemini specifically rules communication and communication really is the backbone of healthy relating. And so as you're doing this work, as you're thinking about your past relationships and your family of origin and some of your love wounding and how this has played out, I invite you to especially think about your communication patterns and some of the communication themes, not only in your past relationships, but also in your family of origin. So for example, I'll just give you another personal example. So in my family of origin, there were a lot of big personalities, and I often felt like the best way to ease conflict and just make everyone happy in my household was to stay out of the way, was to just be very quiet, not have a lot to say, and not to make myself a big presence in the household. However, in romantic relationships as an adult, you can see how that would be a terrible model of relating and communicating. So basically, as I said, I've tended to choose men who are extremely needy, who are very high maintenance, frankly exhausting to be around, and who make themselves such a big presence in the relationship and probably in all their relationships, that I became insignificant and that my needs were never really discussed. It was the relationship was always just about them, making them happy, appeasing them, um, always following their, their erratic moods. Um, again, very much mimicking the relationship that I had with my father growing up. And so 
it's really interesting to realize that when I reflect on my past relationships, I know that even though I think I got increasingly good at this partner to partner and fling to fling, I know that I have historically really struggled with advocating for myself and with clearly communicating when something feels like a red flag, when something has made me uncomfortable, when there's a behavior that I would like to see change a little bit, something feels disrespectful to me, um, or even just to establish a boundary with someone, like these things have always been very challenging for me. And honestly, I think that communication is hard. Like these are not skills that we're taught. The only place we learn them is in our family of origin and no one has a perfect model in that regard. So I feel like, you know, this is all challenging, but I do think that we all have a particular blind spot. So I know in a lot of my relationships, I allowed my needs to become insignificant and irrelevant. And I tended to create relationships with people that just were so high maintenance that again, the relationship had just become all about them. And I take full responsibility for that because I allowed that dynamic to be created. And I completely understand where it comes from. It's from um, a childhood of feeling like I needed to people-please my way through relationships. But obviously, trying to people-please your way through a romantic relationship leads to resentment. And honestly, neither party ends up happy in that kind of a situation. And you do a disservice to your partner by not asking for what you want, which is something I actually just recently learned. And think about that in a new way now. When we don't advocate for ourselves, we actually set the relationship up for decline because our partner literally doesn't know what we want. And we tend to assume that they do, but they don't. And so we have to be able to clearly communicate what we want. And they can say no. They can say like, thanks for the request, but I'm not changing. I am who I am or whatever the case may be, or I'm not going to honor that boundary. And in that event, we can obviously peace out, but at least we know you know, rather than just tiptoeing around someone and again, just trying to people please their way through. Now there's lots of other communication blind spots though, that I think are really common, um, such as even just raising your voice. Have you been the kind of person that tends to yell, especially when you feel like a serious conversation is being had, or like you might be being insulted? Do you, does your voice elevate? Because that alone can be very hurtful and toxic to a communication dynamic. Another thing too is not necessarily just not advocating for yourself, but passive aggressiveness, which often takes the form of sarcasm. When people are really sarcastic, especially, I don't mind it so much with my friends, especially if it's like lighthearted and funny, but with a romantic partner, Sarcasm, especially in a serious conversation, is a huge turnoff for me because if you're using sarcasm, I feel like that pretty much means that you're just too afraid to communicate clearly. And if you can't just clearly tell me what's up and what you need and what you want, I have no time. So that's a really interesting thing to think about too. Do you use a lot of sarcasm in untimely moments? And these are really all communication mishaps that usually, as I said, are rooted in our family of origin, the behaviors that we saw. And another thing too is that a lot of times people grow up in family of origins where families of origin, question mark? Um, yeah, I think that's the right way to say that. Families of origin where there wasn't necessarily a lot of yelling, but in fact, there was a lot of silence around conflict. Like it wasn't okay to have conflict. It wasn't okay to express anger. And so that leads to kind of similar somewhat to my experience of just not speaking up. It makes you feel like it's not okay to express when you're unhappy with something or discontented. So you just stay silent, which again, we know breeds resentment and doesn't make either person happy in that kind of a dynamic. 
So really thinking during this Venus retrograde about how you can up-level your communication skills and acquire new tools that will help you going forward in creating healthier and more joyful dynamics. And you can think of that through the lens of how maybe you haven't really done that in the past or um, where that wound really stems from in terms of your family of origin. This is all really powerful work to do during Venus retrograde, and I super recommend it. And I know that it can be quite painful, so honestly, that has to be named. But it can also be kind of fun, I have to say, is it's really empowering to get this understanding and to know that you're never going to make that mistake again. I say mistake, I don't, that's not a good word, but you're never going to repeat that um, that undesirable behavior or pattern again, because now you have language around it. You understand it consciously and you'll spot it if you try to do it again. So it's so, so powerful to do this. Now, the final thing I want to say though about this particular Venus retrograde is that there is some tricky astrology that I especially want to caution you about if you are planning on dating during this time. So Venus is forming a square to Neptune which is a challenging transit to say the least. So Neptune can bring disillusionment in the area of whatever planet it's touching at a given time. And so I feel like when Venus squares Neptune, a lot of the time we can become disillusioned in our love lives. We can fall in love with a projection of who we think somebody is as opposed to who they actually are, or we fall in love with a dream or an illusion that they intentionally even created. And it's honestly way easier to deceive on like an online romance situation when you're not physically seeing the person. So that's why this is especially coming to mind as relevant now. If you are like online dating or flirting with someone through the apps and you are getting attached, it's just important to stay on guard. And I, again, don't mean that as a warning or anything like fear inciting, but honestly, that's never bad advice to just be cautious about that sort of thing. But as I said, this particular Venus retrograde does have some tricky astrology to it. So that's something to keep in mind. And I really do just recommend kind of stepping out of the game during this time. And I don't say that in a shamey way because I am a confirmed love addict. I am a Pisces Venus. So I love love. I've had so many relationships and I plan on enjoying quite a few more, but not over the next month and a half. And honestly, because we're in quarantine, I feel like this is kind of a natural time to do that. It's not like it's, you know, a super challenging time for that because we're just out, we're meeting a lot of new people, we might just accidentally fall in love or fall into something or become attracted to someone that we then start to date. It's not really happening now. So I feel like this is a really good time to sit on the bench and dive into the literature and take the classes. And I know that it can be very painful, but it's so worth it. Trust me, I feel so good and so clear. And when I emerge on June 25th, ready to date everybody, I feel like it's going to be with such a deeper understanding of what I want and what I don't want. And I hope that the same is true for you as well. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really appreciate it. And I hope that you have a fantastic Venus retrograde, however you decide to spend it. But I just want to remind you again that you have empowered choice and not to let some of the more fear-mongery old school astrology scare you. But nonetheless, take everything into consideration that we've discussed today and take really good care of yourself. And I will talk to you very soon. Be well until then.